know God's going to speak to us this morning. Thank you, Kath. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. Oh, and kids are going to go out. Yeah, with Ebony and Steph. Have fun, kids. Oh. Are we all good to go? Yes, we are. Let me bring that up here. Right, I'm not being greedy this morning. There is a point for the other two water bottles. <laughs> this is my one. <laughs> All right. I'm going to embarrass someone now. I'm going to just welcome Franco to church over here. Franco <laughs> is our beautiful new friend. And it's a funny story how we met Franco because Andy, I'm sure I've seen you here, Andy Vassala, who's maybe just popped out. Andy just loves people and he loves talking and he was on the beach one day and Andy was there, sorry, Franco was there playing his guitar, doing his things, he loves music and uh, Andy just went over and started chatting with him and not knowing whether Franco's a Christian or not, he just invited him along to Bible study and so Franco said, yeah, sure, I'll come along to Bible study and met some great men and one of them being my beautiful husband and Michael said, well, where are you staying? He said, I'm staying in my van. He said, well, come stay with us, you know, as we take in lots of people, lots of randoms. <laughs> and um, I reckon we're treating him too well because he hasn't left. Uh, and we said to him last Sunday, we said, hey, Franco, you want to come to church with us? And he, uh, I'm, yeah, sorry, you're going to kill me later. He said, um, oh, is it like mass? I said, oh, no, no, it's not like mass. It's like we have this band, they're awesome, they're really cool, and, you know, we kind of, you know, do the whole wavy thing, and you'll have fun, don't worry, just come along, you know, so he came along, and then afterwards he goes, yeah, they played like in, was it B minor or something, so he was like super impressed, <laughs> so anyway, he's, uh, he's still here, so if any of you want to go and say hi <laughs> after church, give him a hug or a high five, <laughs> Franco is from, Franco is single, no, I don't know, maybe half. <laughs> he's, uh, he's from Chile in South America, so if any of you know Spanish and want to practice, he is your man. All right, anyway, make him feel welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, we're um, going to get straight into the Word. I'm going to pray, and then I will um, give you my title. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, have your way with us this morning, Lord God. Thank you for this message, Lord, that you've just resonated on my heart. And I do pray, Lord, that it will just sink deeply into each one of our hearts, Lord God, that it will do so much in us for each one of us in the way that we need it, that it's going to change us, it's going to transform us, and it's just going to give us strength and power to live out our, our days, Lord. We just pray, God, that you are with each one of us. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you are in us, that your strength and your power just goes before us. Lord God, and that your Holy Spirit comforts us in times of need. We just thank you, Lord, for your presence here. We thank you that you change an atmosphere. We thank you that you can move mountains. Lord, we thank you that we are part of that. Thank you that you've chosen us, Lord. And Lord God, I just pray that for each one of us, this message will speak straight into our hearts where we need it for right now. I pray, Lord God, that it will just increase our faith and strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the title of my message this morning is Understanding Blessing from a Kingdom Perspective and How That Actually Affects Our Faith. So this word blessing, 
What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about blessing? I don't know about you, but I use phrases like, oh, I feel so blessed in this town to have work because it's so hard to find work. And I say, I feel really blessed. I've got three beautiful, healthy children. I say, I've got a wonderful husband who's a faithful man. I'm sure we've all used phrases like that. We feel blessed because. But does godly blessing only look like a good marriage or a lovely house or healthy children or, you know, good health? Does it look like enough money to have a good life? a beautiful country to live in. Is that, what, is that what it is? Why is it that we only usually associate blessing with positive circumstances? What happens we, when we don't feel blessed in our circumstances? What happens when we lose our job? Or one of our children gets really sick? What happens if our marriage falls apart? You know, do we only feel blessed when we have wealth or comfort or the complete absence of problems? Because we know that's not going to happen. Have you guys ever wondered if God has abandoned you at times? Have you ever felt like that? These are the questions I want to unpack this morning. How do our circumstances, sorry, how do circumstances that don't make us feel blessed affect our faith and our journey of faith? How do we understand what blessing looks like from a kingdom perspective? You know, I believe it's essential to get a really deep understanding of what it means to be blessed, what it actually means in godly terms of kingdom perspective beyond the comfort and the wealth and the happiness that we strive so hard for in this place. To understand God's blessing, it's crucial to mastering a strong faith. Faith that is unwavering in times of struggle. Faith that is daring and audacious because of a total and utter dependence on God. A faith that is unshakable in all our circumstances, whether they are good or whether they are bad. So what does it actually mean to be blessed? The Oxford Oxford Dictionary describes blessing in two ways. And they don't sound like the ones that I listed at the beginning. It says holy. So we are blessed simply because we are holy. Now that may sound like a slightly religious term for those of you who don't know that well. It means to be set apart but to belong to. So we actually belong to God, and we are blessed, firstly, simply because we just belong to God. He is in us, and His power, this power in the name of Jesus, and that's in us. So we are blessed simply because we are part of Him. And then the second one is enjoyable in a way that gives you a sense of peace or feeling of freedom from anxiety or pain. So we are blessed, firstly, because we've accepted Jesus into our life. We are aware of our wretched state. We become repentant, and then the Holy Spirit just comes and lives inside of us. God literally lives in our bodies, and he gives us the power to live a holy life. But you know what? This is the bit that comes in for us. He's given that to us, but it's how we choose to accept that. So in Matthew 5 and 3, should come up on the screen, it says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean physical poverty. It doesn't mean material poverty. It means spiritual poverty. We're in a position where we realize we are desperately in need of him. In God's word translation, it says spiritually helpless. And in CEV, it says God blesses those who only depend on him. This is the state that we need to be in, totally dependent on our knees, relying on him for, us, for his strength, his wisdom, and his timing. 
even if that is different than ours. I'm going to look at the story of Jacob this morning. It's an incredible story of how this man Jacob had to change and do an incredible change in order to receive a blessing from God and to fulfill the call that was on his life. It was a blessing over generations right down to the line of Jesus. So we're going to pick the story up in Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, in Hosea, the reference to man it actually says angel. But when you read commentaries on this, the, the man is described as God. So when I read man, you think of God, okay? So Jacob was left alone, and, a, and God, or man, wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched, and as he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and you've overcome. Now I'm going to give you a bit of context to this story. At this point, when Jacob was wrestling, he wrestled all night with God and he was afraid. He was in a place where he was desperate and he was on his knees. And you know why? He had 400 men, armed men, ready to come towards him and kill him. They were going to wipe him out. Jacob had stolen the birthright from his brother Esau by tricking his father and manipulating his brother Esau. So Jacob, right from the beginning, he was a wretched character. He was a con artist, a liar, and a manipulator. Now, it took a couple of years after this had happened for Esau to locate Jacob. And at this point, he was mad. You know, he gathered these 400 men, and he planned not only to wipe out Jacob and kill him, but his entire family, because that was the only way to wipe out the bloodline and regain his rightful inheritance. So as you can imagine, Jacob was greatly distressed. And in that moment, he begins to get seriously desperate. And he cries out to God at the river of Jabok. God, will you please do something about my situation? You know, do something about Esau. He is such a huge problem for me. And if you don't do something, I'm going to die. You know, what was interesting was that Jacob at this point was focused on Esau being the problem, but what God was focusing on at this point was the problem within Jacob. You know, sometimes what we think is a problem in our life is not actually the problem. Sometimes we think the problem's with our spouse or the condition of our job or our financial provision, but the problem is not with our spouse or our job or our financial situation. The problem is with us. You know, God can handle all our problems what we need to deal with is us. You know, in Hosea, referencing this story, um, it says Jacob was weeping and wrestling, and he finally realized that the problem was within him. And so God said to Jacob, when I get through wrestling with you tonight, there will be no more Jacob. You are not going to be the same. I am going to transform you. I am going to change you. So there's less of you and there's more of me. You know, I need to deal with your sin, Jacob, because it's, blo it's blocking your blessing. 
You know, maybe with our situations, maybe with our problems, we need to just get a little bit more desperate with God. Maybe we need to actually weep and wrestle with God for the things that we struggle with. The next part is amazing, and it's so significant to this story. God said, I'm going to change your name. You are no longer going to be Jacob, which meant deceiver or grabber. Literally, as Jacob came out, he was twins with Esau, and as he came out, he was grabbing his heel. So right from the beginning, he was on a mission to grab this inheritance. But he changed, God changed his name. He did a work in him. He said, you will not be called Jacob, you will be called Israel, which means prince. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Something influential, something powerful, something incredible. And God can bless us right now with a kingdom blessing. We will receive his strength and his power and have favor on all people. You know, blessing, it's this supernatural force on your life. It's so powerful that even if people curse you, even if the devil tries to destroy your plans, because you've wrestled with God, because you've been transformed and renewed and changed, and you've desired that relationship with God, he says, I will give you the power so that no matter what circumstances come your way, you will have the strength to endure and you'll have victory over your enemies. The story gets even more cool. Because after Jacob had wrestled with God and he went towards his brother Esau. Now remember, this is the brother that had the 400 men and he was coming to get him. He was coming to wipe him out. This is what happened next. Genesis 33 and 4. Esau ran to meet Jacob. And he didn't kill him. He didn't destroy him. He embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. What incredible favor is that? You know, God can give us favor like that in our life. A few years ago, I had a very difficult client. Um, I work with um, people with disability, elderly people who are struggling. And this man was very bitter and very angry. He had a wife who was blind. They were in their 90s and life was just hard. He was this pseudo-intellectual, and he would use that to intimidate people. He had all these people coming to care for him, but he didn't like any of them. Now, I hadn't met him at this point, but I had heard about him. Anyway, a referral was given to me, and I rang him to make an appointment. Now, I can't even remember the full details of what happened on that phone call, but he's quite deaf as well, which didn't help. But um, somehow along the way, wires got crossed, and he decided that I was incompetent and that he was going to complain about me. And... I'd never had this before in my job, and, you know, back then I didn't have as much work, and I was really concerned about my reputation. I was really worried about how I was going to get out of this. Um, Now, I knew the problem wasn't with me. I knew it was with him. But you know what? I didn't want the resolution to be me having to justify myself and complain about him and, you know, have a problem with this man. He was clearly an unhappy man. What I wanted was favor. What I wanted was a a peaceful solution. You know, so I went, I went ahead and I went to the appointment anyway, even though he didn't want me there. And um, I just prayed. I prayed. He lives in Sussex, so I had a 30 minutes to pray from Mollymook to Sussex. And I just prayed the whole way, and I prayed, God, just please give me favor with this man, and just please soften his heart. And you know what? By the time I got to the door, his doorstep, he didn't even know that I was the one he was complaining about. He didn't even realize that's who I was. And you know what? The first thing he did 
when I walked through the door is he asked me this super intellectual question. And somehow, from somewhere, I had this super intellectual answer. <laughs> and he was, so, he was so amazed by me that instead of being angry at me, instead of being bitter, instead of fighting me and telling me to go away, I had favor. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't know that answer. That, that answer came from God, for sure, because I'm not that smart. <laughs> and, um, and I just think, you know what? That's, that's what happens. When we depend on God, when we rely on him, and when we ask his favor, he is in us. You know, he was in me then because he gave that answer. And that man, from that day on, not only did he love me, but he would tell me all his stories. We found common ground with things. And he was so sweet. And he never wanted me to leave after that. So that's God's favor. That's how it works. You know, God wants to bless our lives, but we have to get blessable. Jacob was not a good character. God does not bless our sin or our indifference or our striving for the ways of this world. When we feel blessed with material things, with comfort, can we become complacent? Do we need God then? Our society, I believe, is geared towards comfort, self-reliance, financial stability, setting ourselves up for independence. We have it so good that even Christians have a low tolerance for pain and inconvenience. You know, God cannot work with us when we're in a state of sin. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. God cannot bless our disobedience. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked. So God will not bless you if you listen to the ungodly and you follow the worldly ways of them. So what if when we struggle, God is trying to change something in us, to draw us near to him, to change something in our character to become more like him? You know, please don't take away from this that every time you struggle, that God is trying to change something, change something in you. You know, he's not looking to hurt us or, you know, kill us or destroy us. He is looking to, ch to change us, to be more like him. But he will use our circumstances, whether they are good or bad, in order to do that. In Romans 8 and 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that he causes them simply to, to, you know, to change us. But he uses the work of the devil to turn things around. Now, when the world faces struggles, hope is in the fate of their circumstances. But we do not need to feel in a hopeless state frozen by worry and fear, reacting to our situations with hopelessness, with anger, with complaining, with like, where are you, God? Why me? If we respond in faith, he's in us. His power is in us. God says, bring your worry and your fear to me and depend on me, have faith in me, and I will carry you through. That's the difference. You know, there's two characters in the Bible that live faith out in an incredible way. And I've just been thinking about them in relation to this topic, and they are Joseph and Ruth. They are people that God didn't need to change. They were of incredible character, amazing faith. But you know what? Their lives looked anything but blessed. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, put into prison. He was forgotten about. But yet God's grace and his favor was so evident 
throughout his life with everyone he met. His response to the circumstances are totally mind-boggling unless you know where his source of strength came from. And Ruth. Ruth lost her husband. She left her homeland to remain loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She faced famine. They were without a home. You know, no one would have looked at Ruth all those years and felt that she was blessed. But her loyalty, her obedience, her dependence on God, her patience in waiting, you know, her patience in waiting to see her blessing was an inspiration. God blessed Ruth by providing a redeemer who married her. His name was Boaz, and they had a child called Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who carried on that lineage right through to Jesus. Now, have you noticed in all these stories that I've told you about this morning that they are all God's plan right from the beginning to save this world? They all lead. God had a plan and a purpose for each one of them, and they had to meet him where they needed to be in order for that to carry through. God has an incredible purpose for all of us, but we have to get a little bit desperate with God in our circumstances sometimes to see the blessings happen. You know, this world is so broken, it's so desperate. We've been talking about that this morning. You know, what if the world could see people who have had an encounter like this with God? What if people have been so transformed, so changed by the ways of this world that they see Jesus? You know, in the Bible, there was only a few people that actually saw the face of Jesus. And when they came away, their face was just shining bright. What if we had encounters like that, that people, when they saw us, they saw Jesus in us? What if we could be that light? You know, God didn't bless us to keep it for ourselves. God blessed us so that we could bless others. That is our purpose. But blessing doesn't always come up, come in a wrapped, cozy package. You know, it can be denying ourselves for the sake of a bigger purpose so that we have a kingdom perspective. In all these stories, blessings came through hardships. It came through waiting on God's timing. Blessing looked so different than earthly blessing we consider as we complacently seek the luxuries of this world. Maybe our perspective of blessing needs to get a little deeper. Maybe we have to see blessing from God's perspective. There's this incredible story uh, by, um, sorry, an incredible song by a lady named Laura Story. And I was going to have it playing for you, but it didn't work out. So you're going to have to listen to me. I might kill it. And it's not going to be in B minor, whatever that is, or any other note that's recognizable. But, but I'm going to have a go. No, 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 that would be bad. What if a blessing comes through raindrops? What if a healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this world are your mercies in disguise? What if a blessing? <laughs> I know I'm not a singer, but what if our blessing came through raindrops? You know, the car and the raindrops. What if our healing comes through tears? What if it takes a thousand sleepless nights before we get on our knees and we know that he's near? What if then the trials of this life are his mercies in disguise? What if blessing involved you being the one who brings others to God? 
What if blessing looked like going through some really hard times in order for God to take away your pride, your arrogance, your wrong thinking, and lead you to a place of humility? What if out of that change you did incredible things for God? You know, if we can keep on trusting in the midst of our trials, it's incredible what he will do to reward our obedience. Could we possibly see this morning our struggles as opportunities for God to bless us? You know, back in 2004, Swally and I worked in Africa for about six months. It was 10 years after the genocide had happened in Rwanda. You know, in that country, it mourned and it grieved for the atrocity that had just taken place there. And we went out with these really high hopes, you know, that just maybe we could touch some of these lives, some people that have been through so much, that have suffered, just to love on these people. And then two days into our trip, our bus was driving over, overland from Uganda into Rwanda, and the bus crashed, it rolled, it heaped onto its side, killing the lady that was in front of us and a man that was at the back of the bus as well, and maybe others. You know, Michael had this large head wound that was bleeding because that's what they do. I had cracked ribs. I was covered in cuts and bruises and blood, and I don't know if it was mine or someone else's. There was every part of me at that point that wanted to give up. I struggled and I wrestled with God. If you wanted me here, God, why did you let this happen? I was so filled with fear. All I wanted to do was go home. You know, I found the strength to stay at the time, and it was an amazing experience. But I wrestled for years with fear after that. You know, Swelly thinks it's his war story. You know, the hero that survived the mighty battle. <laughs> and I was left with this just internal battle, fearful of what would happen to me, fearful of getting a bus into Sydney on my own. How could I be sure that God wouldn't allow something like this to happen again? I questioned where God was. You know, and then like Jacob, I got a little bit desperate one night. One night in a frenzy of fear and anxiety, I cried out to God. And I said, why is this world in such a state, Lord? Why do you let these things happen? My heart is so broken and I just don't know the answers. Help me, Lord. Help me understand. And God spoke to me that night and he said, what breaks your heart breaks mine. And I had to go on this journey to understand that God is good. I'd always been fearful of disaster, fearful about how my faith would stand in struggles, like real struggles. And I would pray, God, I love you, but please don't test me. You know how weak I am in this area. <laughs> you know, maybe God needed to deal with the weakness in me. I had to wrestle with God. I had to get a little bit desperate. So in my state of weakness, he could be my strength. Sometimes... Do you think that maybe the reason God allows us to struggle, to have pressure, to have tears, and to wrestle with him is not to kill us, not to destroy us, but to change us, to get us on our knees, to seek him in a way we never would have otherwise. You know, God is more interested in our character than our comfort. We are not prone to changing when we're comfortable. You know, we're not prone to changing when we're on top of the world and everything's great. Things are going our way. He is more interested in his will and his plan. And, when, and God says, when I get through dealing with your fear and anxiety, your unbelief, 
There I will meet you. There he accepts us, weak and poor in spirit. That is when his power and his strength step in so that God can use us for his incredible purpose and we can reach our full potential. You know, are there some circumstances in, in your life, church, where you may be wrestling, you may be struggling? Hold on. Fight. Be aggressive in your pursuit of God's will. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You know, it requires a solid faith not to be shaken by our experiences, to press in and to wait on God's timing for our blessing. How long did Joseph and Ruth have to wait for their blessing? How incredible was their faith to depend through years? Have you ever asked the question, how do they have that much faith? You know, how do the characters in the Bibles seem to have so much faith when we, when we just waver so much? You know, I've asked the question, was it different back then, God? Did you, did you give them a level of faith that's different to ours? You know, it says in the Bible, to each will be given the measure of faith. So what, what does that mean? In Romans 12 and 3, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give, to, I give each of you this morning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of, of yourselves, measuring yourselves, by the faith that God has given us. So if faith is given by God and it's a gift, then if our faith is weak or it's little in measure, is it not God's fault, you know, that he didn't give me enough of it in the situation that I needed it for? Well, that's not the case. Faith is like a muscle. You know, we are all born with a measure of muscles. Bodybuilders use theirs and exercise theirs every day to make them bigger and stronger. And like muscles, faith grows according to what you feed it and how you use it. As you read the word of God, as you feed it, and as you confess God's work and you speak it out and be expectant in your faith, you use it. So what do we do with our measure of faith is up to us. Let me give you a practical example. Pens, come up here, mate. Just hold that for a moment. <laughs> Larry, you come up too, mate. Okay. I don't know how thirsty you are, but I'm giving you a drink. Just have what you want, and then just give it back to me. You don't like water. Well, you're not going to need much. So you're just going to have a drink of water, and when you're done, when you've had enough for what you need, just give it back. All right, okay. <laughs> How many meals are in here? 600 meals, all right. Okay, all right. So I've given you both the measure of water, okay? Larry, you've taken about 20 meals, and Perns, you've taken about maybe 100 meals. All right, great, thanks, sit down, guys. Now, I've given you both, I'm going to get to the point, I've given you both the same amount of water, okay? What you do with it is up to you. And that is the same with our faith. God gives us, it doesn't say in the Bible a measure, it says the measure in the original version. So God gives us the measure. And you know what the amazing thing is, is that if you were super thirsty perns and you needed to drink that whole bottle, I would refill it for you. And then I would keep refilling it. 
Because there's a reservoir out there that I can fill it and it's never going to stop because I provide the rain that fills it up again. What we take is up to us and how we use it is up to us. You know, our faith grows according to what we do with it. Our faith can be increased, but this is where we come in. God has given us the substance of faith. It's a spiritual substance that's changeable. And we are the one who exercise it, not God. God can assist us. He can give us strength and he can give us wisdom to increase it. But he won't do it for us. The gift is given. If I go to a party and I give a gift, I don't give it to them three times. I give it to them one time and they accept it. And they can do what they want with it. And it's the same with faith. He's given us the gift of faith. What we do with it is up to us. This is quote by um, F.F. Bosworth, and it says, Most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day, but their, spirit only w- but their spirit only one cold snack a week, and wonder why their faith is so weak. So we have the same faith given to us as Joseph, as Ruth, as Jacob, as Paul, all these incredible characters. If we can understand that being blessed is simply who we are, just by knowing Jesus. If we can put our trust in him as we begin our journey of faith, the Bible says we are made holy. And remember that religious term we talked about at the beginning? You know, don't underestimate not the power of that means. We are made right with God, given a hope like there is no other. A hope and a future, a promise of eternal life where all the troubles of this world are gone. And on this earth, we will have God's power in us and his Holy Spirit guiding us all along the way. I just want to share with you the rest of the Beatitudes that we did the first one at the beginning. And I encourage you to just go ahead at home and look them up again. Because actually, when you understand them from a kingdom perspective on blessing, it will change how you read this. The Sermon on the Mount was was basically a set of truths that were designed to prepare Jesus' followers for his kingdom. And they are so different from the world's view or state of feeling happy or blessed. As we've learned this morning in this world, when someone has any type of good fortune, we'd call them blessed. But in the Beatitudes, Jesus calls blessed to people who are the exact opposite to that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, Jesus is speaking about mourning not like grief and mourning. He's talking about mourning over the state of our wretched selves, the state of our sin. That's what we're mourning. Being aware of the state of our hearts so that that can be changed in us and we can receive comfort from the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, and the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you guys this morning, do you grieve your wretched state? Do you ask God to purify your heart on a regular basis? You know, it's okay to do that. No, it's not hopeless in that. It's inviting God to make you holy and pure righteous in his eyes. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 3, it says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance, the heart is made better. 
And in Isaiah 61 and 3, it says, your mourning will be replaced with the oil of joy and gladness. So in summary, firstly, we are blessed because God is in us. His power gives us strength to endure all things. But the challenge is we have to truly surrender ourselves and our life in order for for us to possess or accept his blessing. Faith and obedience are so key to God being able to fulfill his plan for us. Pour out an incredible blessing over us. So let's, church, be audacious in our faith. If you need healing, expect healing. You know, if you need breakthrough, expect breakthrough. And if you need a job, expect an awesome job. But do not test God. Don't expect it wondering if he'll do it or getting cranky if he doesn't, questioning where he is. Expect it, prepare that if God has other plans, your faith will not crumble. Maybe it's your character he needs to change. Maybe it's your timing. Maybe you have to ask him 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, 1,000 sleepless nights before you get it. Sometimes there's more God has to do in us. You know, in the book of Daniel, we're, just, we're showing this beautiful example of daring faith that 100% believes but would not waver if, if God had had a different plan. We learned a little bit about, about it from Rosie last week. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're about to be thrown into this firing furnace. But because, and it was because they refused to worship idols. You know, in the natural, they had no chance of survival. They would be burnt literally in seconds. In Daniel 3 and 15, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar said, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Thinking that he'd won. And they replied, if we are thrown into this burning furnace, the God we we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from it. But even if he doesn't, even if not, we, we want you to know we will not bow down and worship the images of gold that you have set up. Their faith, was so sure. It was so daring and expectant. But they did not test God and they wouldn't have been shaken if God had had other plans. Can we get ourselves to a place like that? Now, guys, I don't want to take away the things that we talked about at the beginning, the earthly blessings that we receive. They are gifts from God. And if we have a wonderful family and if we have a beautiful country to live in and if we have all these incredible things... I don't want to take away from that. They are gifts from God, and let's be thankful for them. Let's be just so grateful to God for them. But all I am saying is is that is not the only blessing that we receive. And if we don't have those things in our lives, let it not shake our faith. We can be grateful for them, but the point is that before them, before seeking those things, we should seek Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things will be given to us anyway. So guys, I hope I've challenged your perspective this morning on blessing. I pray for each one of you that God will reveal his perspective on this for your life. I encourage you to press in, wrestle with God if that's what it takes. Be expectant and be expecting him to change something in you.